Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream. That was a real dream. He had a dream. He was saying he had a vision of a world where he said little black boys and little black girls could come together with little white boys and little white girls. And see, now in 2011, we have an understanding that racial and, and, and color differences shouldn't separate us. We have an understanding that we can come together and we can work together. But do you know where we're currently missing it? We're missing it in the body of Christ in terms of gifts and ministries. We look at each other within this room and many of us have already begun to pass judgment on each other. Some of us in this room think that we're super spiritual. And our spirituality is here. And other of you in this room, you're down here. Some of you in this room, you think, I couldn't care less about what you're talking about right now, Kurt. Because what you say really doesn't matter. This whole church thing is a crock. And you have judged everybody in here on your own perspective. You see, we understand that we need racial equality. We understand that we need, um, how do I say this? Gender equality, we need to understand that, you know, women have rights and men have rights and we can coexist together. You know, back in the early days of the 1900s, women couldn't vote. In many nations around the world, women still cannot vote. But when it comes to the church, we are doing the opposite of what Jesus taught us to do. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I am going to really challenge the way that you think this morning. Every single one of you sitting in that black chair. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1. When you get there, say, I got it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew is the first book found in the New Testament, just after the book of Malachi, or in the Italian that my father says, Malachi. If he was Italian, his name would have been Malachi. So uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Read this with me. It says, who's speaking here, by the way? Jesus. It's good to understand that. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, you will, it will be measured back to you. Verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Help me understand what that word means. Give me your best guess. What does that word mean, to judge? Draw conclusions from, okay? What else? Okay, very good. You're looking at the, maybe a perspective. This is your perspective of them. You're drawing a conclusion. But it may not be accurate, right? Go ahead. A theory. You may be developing a theory. Very good. Drawing a conclusion. What else, what else do you think this word judge means? What else do you think this word judge means? Come on. You're smart kids. Alex again? Did you find that in your Bible? Oh, absolutely. In the... <laughs> In the Greek, this word literally means to condemn. Now, the New Testament of our scripture was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in? Very good, Hebrew. So when you look this word judge up in the Greek, it means condemn. Let's reread verse 1 and replace it with the word condemn. Condemn not that you be not condemned. For with what condemnation you use you will be condemned. And with what measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. It kind of feels a little bit different reading it like that, doesn't it? The Bible tells us in just another couple books, in John chapter 3, verse 17, that Jesus did not come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus, the Son of the living God, didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Judge not. Condemn not that you be not condemned. Let's keep reading in verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? What's bigger, a speck or a plank? So he, who has the bigger problem? Yeah. 
verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now let me ask you something. How many of you are ever eating at the lunch table, or maybe you're at home, and you look across, and your friend is sitting there, and unbeknownst to your friend, there is this giant thing in their teeth. It is just like right there. And, and you don't have the heart to tell them, dude, there is something humongous in your teeth. They're just munching away. They, that, you're, you're joking, you're laughing, and when they laugh, it's like slow motion. All you can see is that nasty hunk of green garbage in their teeth. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're talking to your friend, and they're talking to you, and they have no idea. Anyone, I don't have the heart to tell them. I really don't. I cannot tell them. You got something green, something orange in your teeth, big, big old piece of lettuce right here. I do not have the heart to tell them. How many, how many of you have ever been that friend where it's been you with something in your teeth and nobody told you? Don't you wish they would just tell you? Don't you wish they would just tell you? Well, it's interesting because I think that we're the same way. Now, what happens when they have something in their teeth? You can't, they're talking to you. They could be talking to you about the baseball game that the Rangers lost. They could be talking to you about, you know, and you won't even pay attention. You can't even look them in the eye, right? Because all you can see is that thing in between their teeth. You're just nodding your head, and you're not looking them in the eye. You're staring at them. You're just like, I can't believe there is something stuck in their teeth. Well, I believe that we are the very same way when it comes to each other's shortcomings. Could it be that we're the same way when it comes to, to the way that we look at each other? Many times when we look at each other, we only look at each other's shortcomings. And we measure each other based on ourselves. We think we have this great idea of ourselves. There's an old-fashioned saying that we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. And we have that, that filter when we look at people. And a lot of times when we meet new people, we're sizing them up. Or when we meet people in youth group, we're, we're, we're looking at them and we're saying, you know, it's like they got something stuck in their teeth. All you can see is what's wrong with them. And you can't see that there's a person behind those shortcomings. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the same judgment you use, you will be judged. I want to read this to you in the message translation if it'll come up because it has a much better read to it. Does anyone have the message in-house right now before I look it up? Anyone have a message Bible, copy of the message Bible? I'm not sure it's going to come up, but let me just see. Yes, there we go. We find this scripture for you. Because I think it is so good. I think the message translation really brings it home. Matthew chapter what? Okay, lend me your ears and listen to this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures criticize their faults unless of course you want the same treatment that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own do you have the nerve to say let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt it's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your part wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor isn't that good that is really good i think in the church we really walk around sometimes with a holier than thou mentality 
we really have an attitude that we are it from the good to the bad from people who are, they really think they're holier to people who think this whole church thing is a crock. We walk around and we pass judgment on people and we miss the move of God. How many of you would say, who came to the concert? Show of hands. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you think God moved to that concert? Who thinks God moved to that concert? It's very interesting because I stepped outside of the concert in the foyer, which is where I spent most of my night. And I talked to an individual, and that individual told me that the whole thing was hypocrisy. That God couldn't move in an atmosphere like that. And I quickly corrected them because of what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says. You see, we walk around and we pass judgment on the good and the bad. We really have the mentality that we've got it all figured out. That we know how God would move. That we know what God expects. And the truth is, it's what the Message Bible says. It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just playing your part. We need to drop this judgmental, critical attitude because it's sin. We need to walk together in unity and love. And when I look at you, I'm looking past your eyes. I'm looking past the differences that we have. I'm looking past. We, we know we're, we're 21st century kids. We understand we look past color. But let's look past the shortcomings. Let's look past the differences that we have. And let's work together for one cause in one spirit to glorify God. Because we're missing out on what God has for us. Why? Because it's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. We're playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just playing our part. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it is like the oil running on the head of Aaron down through his beard. When, the whole, when we come together in unity, when we recognize there are different ministries and there are different gifts, but the same God. When we recognize there are different activities, but the same Lord. And we come together in unity, the Holy Spirit can move. The Holy Spirit can have his way. And there's an anointing on what's going on. But when we walk through those double doors and we have an attitude that we've got it all together, we've got it all figured out, we we missed what God wants to do. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Why do scientists use a microscope? To see things what? I mean, I see things right now. To see things that a human eye can't see. How many of you would agree with that? When you put something under a microscope, what does it do? Thank you, that's the word I wanted. It magnifies I would like to argue that many of us in life walk around with microscope eyes. We walk around with microscope eyes and we see everything through the lenses of a microscope. Katie, you said the natural eye, the human eye couldn't see it. We walk around in life with microscope eyes and we are critical of every little flaw and every little detail of the people around us. It's like we're just looking at people through a microscope. We're magnifying the little things that we really shouldn't be able to see. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, somebody who's really walking in sin and you need to just say, you know what, that's sin. I'm not going to join you in that. I'm talking about personality differences. I'm talking about worship differences. I'm talking about the things that we act like should be separating us and they really shouldn't be separating us. We magnify the little things instead of looking at ourselves. Jesus said, why don't you take the plank out of your own eye and then you might be fit. Why don't you take the smudge off your own face and then you might be fit just to offer your neighbor a washcloth. I would argue that the truth is instead of walking around with microscope eyes, we need to open our eyes and walk around with a mirror. 
We need to walk around with a mirror and start examining our own selves before we ever pass judgment on somebody else. When I see a brother caught in sin and I want to go help that brother or that friend, I quickly ask myself, where am I in my own life? Do I have anything to offer them? Can I really help them get out of that sin? Or does it make me feel good to find that somebody else is stuck in that sin? Does it make me feel a little bit better than them, that I'm not, I'm not as bad as they are? What's my intent? What's my motive? I need to walk around with a mirror in front of my face, a spiritual mirror. Now, we don't have to look at all of our flaws. We don't have to say, I'm, I'm so terrible at this, I can't do this. But we need to stop being critical of one another. We need to stop looking at each other and examining each other through a microscope instead of just saying, you know what, you're a very special person. God has intended you for greatness. And I'm going to continue to pray that God would just help you be the success and be the person that God created you to be. Judge not or condemn not that you be not condemned. Who's the one who really has the right to condemn everybody? Mm-hmm. And what's his son's name? Jesus. John chapter 3, I want you to go there because I want you to see this with your own eyes. Because we have no right to condemn people, and that word means condemn. John chapter 3, I believe it's verse 17. <coughs> yes. Because the one who has the authority to judge and the one who has the, uh, the authority to condemn, John three seventeen. did you find it? It's just after the book of Mark and Luke. John 3, 17, are you there? If you get there, say, I got it. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus had the power to speak a word and wipe out the entire universe. Want to know why? Because he was there in the beginning when the entire universe was spoken into being. And he was the master craftsman behind that. He could have spoken a word and destroyed every individual that ever walked the face of the planet. But he didn't. God in his loving kindness, the Bible tells us, sent his son Jesus. And Jesus did not come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We need to take a careful look at ourselves. Stop judging those people in the world. Like, you think you got it all together? Listen, you still got a plan in your eye and i'm talking to myself too i know that we got friends out there in sin and i know that we want to help them but let's be careful about what our motive is let's be careful about what our intention is i know that you want to you know size people up in youth group and look at them and say oh man god god wouldn't use that person or maybe you're that person sitting here with your arms crossed saying you know what this whole thing is a crock this whole thing is stupid why don't you wake up and start passing judgment because the truth is i need to show you the scripture go to the book of romans romans chapter 14 please Go to verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, we will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, and, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day, the Lord... Um, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives God, uh, sorry, for he who gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us live to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Keep reading. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lives again, that he might be the Lord over both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? 
Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why are we judging one another? Why are we judging each other's? Why are we judging God's servants? You and I are, this is what the Bible says right there. Why am I judging Victoria when she and I are both servants of the Lord? A servant has no right to judge another servant. The master has the right to judge. We will all stand before the Lord. Why do we look at each other through the lenses of a microscope instead of walking around with a mirror? And instead of looking at each other's faults and flaws, why don't we look at each other's talents? Why don't we look at each other's abilities? Why don't we look at what makes that person great? I want you to think of the person that you don't like the most. <laughs> so just think of them right now. Don't tell me who they are, because I don't want to know. But just think of the person that you disdain, the one that you belittle in your mind. Who is that person? And what is it that you don't like about them? Now that you know what it is you don't like about them, try to think and try to see if there's anything good about that person. Is there anything good that you can think of about that person? And if you can't think of anything, then it may be, I'm not saying you have to like everybody in the world. I'm not saying you have to, you know, want to be best friends with everybody in the world. But we need to stop walking around and passing judgment on people. We need to start working together. If you can't think of one good thing about that person, then chances are you need to change your eyes and change your focus because you've got microscope eyes. And every time you see that person, you're looking at them through the lens of a microscope instead of looking at them through the eyes of Jesus. Change your glasses this morning. Change your focus this morning. Let's stop judging one another and start loving one another. Let's start working together in unity. And before we can ever do it out there in the world, we need to do it right here in this youth group. That's the truth. We need to do it right here in D2L. We need to start appreciating each other and loving each other, even though we may have differences. Remember a couple weeks ago I told you about that, that woman that I worked with at Morningstar Christian Bookstore and how I ran my mouth about her? It's very interesting because, um, you know, I, I didn't realize what Romans 14 said. Romans 14 says, don't judge another servant. That, that person is God's servant. They're, they're God's child, and he'll judge them in the end. And I never really realized what I was doing. I was condemning that person. And what's interesting, the Bible says, when I condemn, it's the same condemnation that's going to come back to me. And so I had to repent. I had an opportunity. Um, I saw her literally just three months ago. Three months ago. You know, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I had mocked her that whole time I had worked with her. And then four or five years passed. And she reconnected with me. And she told me that she had a gift for Noah and a gift for Lily. Now, how bad do you think I feel? I mean, you know, I made fun of her the whole time I worked with her. And then she calls me up and says, hey, I got gift, gifts for your kids. I felt like this big, you know. I mean, you feel terrible. And she, she, really, she really did not have, have a problem with me. And so I had to go to her house to pick up these gifts. And I'm in the car, and I turn the ignition off, and I'm like, I know what I need to do, God, but I really don't want to do it. I don't want to go in her house. She told me she had a friend over. So it's bad enough that I have to ask this woman for forgiveness. I now have to do it in front of her friend. And her friend knows nothing about the situation. So I was like, God, I don't want to do this. I walked through the door. I saw her. And I was immediately cut to the heart. She was so wonderful, so overjoyed. She had these gifts for my kids. And thank God her friend took, you know, this woman's daughter to the other room. So I had a couple minutes to kind of confess to her. And I grabbed her and I said, listen, I am really sorry 
when we worked together, I wasn't kind to you, and I wasn't kind when I said things about you, and I really need your forgiveness. In order for me to move on, I need your for forgiveness. And she looked at me, she said, Kurt, she said, I never had a problem with you. She said, if anything was said, I really don't know, and that's okay, I forgive you. And I was just so amazed at how quickly she released that and let it go. But it did a major healing in my heart. And it taught me that I need to be less critical of others because there are diversities of gifts. There are diversities of people. And yet we have one Lord. So I want you to think of that person that you continue to run your mouth about. Because there's usually one or two in our life that we constantly talk about. You know that person that is like right up under your skin. I want you to think about that person. And I would ask that you would think about doing what I did. It took me several years to do it. So it may take you a couple months, a couple weeks, maybe a couple years. But I want you to think about going and seeking forgiveness from that person. Jesus teaches us, when, we, when he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us that we can't actually receive forgiveness from God if we haven't forgiven our brother and if we haven't received forgiveness. We need forgiveness from him first. And if we've offended a brother, Jesus says that we need to go and ask their forgiveness before our Father in heaven can forgive us. In fact, Jesus goes to the extent of saying, you can read it in Matthew 6. He says, if you stand before God and you're praying and you're holding something against your brother, you must go to your brother. You must leave your position of prayer. Go to your brother, seek his forgiveness, and be reconciled so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. I'm challenging you this week to find those people that you've been running your mouth about, to find those people that you've been putting down and putting low, and go and seek their forgiveness. You say, but, but Kurt, they don't know that I've been doing that. Good. Tell them. Be a man. Be a woman. Go and tell them. Say, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I've been running my mouth about you, and here's the reason why, because I don't actually know you. You say, that's crazy, Mr. Kurt. I don't care. That woman never, know I, never knew I was talking about her. Now, I'm not talking about every person. That you, I'm just saying, you know the people that for years you've been putting down. You know the people that for years you've been judging. Go and seek their forgiveness. Go and be reconciled. You don't have to be their best friend, but go and seek their forgiveness so that you can move on because you'll never be free enough to move on if you don't seek their forgiveness. God loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. He wants to use you, but we need to get right with him and we need to love one another and we need to respect one another and we need to recognize we have different gifts and different talents, but we're all God's children. Would you stand to your feet, please? you put your hands in the air as we go before the Lord today? Say, Father in heaven. Now, oh, come on, we're going to start again. I want you to open up your mouth and let's talk to the Lord here. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you didn't judge me according to my sin. You didn't punish me according to my iniquity, but you loved me. And Father, right now, I ask for your forgiveness for the people that I have judged, for the people that I have condemned, because you didn't condemn them, so I have no power to do so. Forgive me in Jesus' name. 
And Father, I pray for these young men and women. I pray for everyone in this room, myself included, that you would begin to reveal, bring to our mind, bring to our heart, the people that we're holding things against, the people that we're, we're, we're upset with for maybe reasons that we don't really understand. And I pray that you would reveal that right now, that each and every one of us may be able to see who we need to go and seek forgiveness from, who we need to go and work things out with. Right now, right now, Holy Spirit, right now, open up our eyes, open up our eyes, of the, open up our eyes that we may understand. Open up our hearts. We're open, we're willing. Reveal to us right now. Reveal to us right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I know there may be people in my life that I need to be reconciled to, and I ask you to show me how. Show me. Show me how to do it. I don't feel like I have the strength to do it, but show me how. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.